Your family loves it outside. Know who else does? Bugs, ticks, fleas, mosquitoes. They get on your crew, pets, and on your nerves. Spray the bugs away with Wonderside's lab-proven plant-powered lineup for pets, family, home, and yard. Wonderside pest protection sprays exceed the same effectiveness standards required for conventional products, harnessing the power of nature to do the job. Wonderside, it's all good. And just for our listeners, get 20% off on Wonderside.com with coupon code PODCAST. That's Wondercide.com. Welcome back to The Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I am David Kern, and today's Friday, March 6th, 2020. Today's poem is by an American poet named Robert Hass, who was born on March 1st, 1941, so he just had his 78th birthday. He served as Poet Laureate of the United States from 95 to 97 and won the National Book Award in 2007, shared the 2008 Pulitzer Prize, and in 2014 won the Wallace Stevens Award from the Academy of American Poets. He was a, uh, or is a, um, fantastic poet. He also wrote a great book called A Little Book on Form, which I have mentioned on this podcast before. The poem that I'm going to read today is called Heroic Simile, which is from the 1976 issue of The Atlantic. Um, It's one of his uh, more beloved poems, and I'm going to read it and then offer a few comments um, with the help of a couple of uh, other poets who have some things to say about this poem. So again, here it is, Robert Haas's Heroic Simile. When the swordsman fell in Kurosawa's Seven Samurai in the Grey Rain, in Cinemascope and the Tokugawa Dynasty, he fell straight as a pine, he fell as Ajax fell in Homer, enchanted dactyls, and the tree was so huge the woodsman returned for two days to that lucky place before he was done with the sawing, and on the third day he brought his uncle. They stacked logs in the resinous air, hacking the small limbs off, tying those bundles separately. The slabs near the root were quartered, and still they were awkwardly large. The logs from mid-tree they halved, ten bundles and four great piles of fragrant wood, moons and quarter-moons and half-moons, ridged by the saw's tooth. The woodsman and the old man his uncle are standing in mid-forest, on a floor of pine silt and spring mud. They have stopped working because they are tired and because I have imagined no pack animal or primitive wagon. They are too canny to call in neighbors and come home with a few logs after three days' work. They are waiting for me to do something or for the overseer of the great lord to come and arrest them. How patient they are. The old man smokes a pipe and spits. The young man is thinking he would be rich if he were already rich and had a mule. Ten days of hauling, and on the seventh day they'll probably be caught, go home empty-handed or worse. I don't know whether they're Japanese or Mycenaean, and there's nothing I can do. The path from here to that village is not translated. A hero, dying, gives off stillness to the air. A man and a woman walk from the movies to the house in the silence of separate fidelities. There are limits to imagination. A few, uh, a few years ago, The Atlantic shared this as the, their poem of the day, and they quoted another poet laureate, Stanley Kunitz, who once described Hass's work this way. He said that, quote, reading a poem by Robert Haas is like stepping into the ocean when the temperature of the water is not much different from that of the air. You scarcely know until you feel the undertow tug at you that you have entered into another element, end quote. Another poet named Peter Davison, 
wrote this about Hess. He said, no practicing poet has more talent than Robert Hess. And he continued, quote, if we look to his poetry in its own right, we'll find him most understandable as a native son, a Californian Catholic with a first-class education and a poetic sensibility that probes kindly but firmly in all directions. And Davison called this particular poem a masterpiece. And so when, uh, when recognizing Hass, who's just had his birthday, of course, this is the, the poem that I wanted to read. If, you know, it's called a masterpiece. And so I wanted to think about why it's been called a masterpiece. On the one hand, it has the, the classical illusions. It's got the allusion to Ajax, the, who, uh, who died in Homer, and, and the, uh, the chanted dactyls of Homer's verse. Dactyls were a, a metrical foot in poetry, which consists of a stressed syllable followed by two unstressed syllables or one long syllable followed by two short syllables. So that's the form that, that, uh, that Homer, was, Homer was writing in, and the stories are told in. But it's also comparing Ajax falling in Homer to a character in Akira Kurosawa's, Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, one of the great movies ever made. Certainly up there as far as the best Japanese movies ever made, and uh, perhaps one of the five to ten best movies ever made in any language. Um, you, you may know the story more for The Magnificent Seven, but The Seven Samurai preceded it and is, is a superior movie, so I highly recommend you check it out. In a New York Times article, 2010, David Orr wrote that reading a good Hass poem is like watching a painter whose brushstrokes are so reassuringly steady you hardly notice how much complex and unsettling depth has been added to the canvas. And I really like that description for a poem like this because it is so reassuringly steady. There's this sense that he knows what he's doing and where he's going. And when you get to that final line, when you get to the final line, there are limits to imagination. Everything seems to make sense. Everything seems like it was building up to that moment. And yet underneath it, as, as Orr writes, there's so much complexity and even an unsettling depth. And he wrote, and Orr continues about this particular poem, saying, quote, a poem of imaginative empathy intended to show that however much we may understand the world outside ourselves, we must always return, as Hass puts it, to separate fidelities. It's not a consoling thought, perhaps, but it's a true one, end quote. And I think anybody who has been an artist or tried anything artistic or tried to create something understands the, the concept of um, having to as Orr puts it, keep inventing elements to keep the scene going. So that's, you know, uh, Hass here is uh, taking us through a series of scenes for this imaginary woodsman in his mind uh, that is, that have to be increasingly complex to, to be uh, more and more entertaining. And when he gets to that line at the end, which seems to make so much sense, it seems right that it ends there. It's one of those lines that is, uh, in, in a sense, both obvious and yet leaves you with so much to think about, about the nature of poetry, about the nature of imagination, about the nature of creativity, and certainly about the nature of language as well. And so you can see why um, in a poem that is as complex as this, it, when it leads to something that makes sense, that feels right, that, that seems like it, was, it always should have gone there, you can see why it would be called a masterpiece and why uh, Hass's work would be so um, revered. All right, one more time. This is Heroic Simile. When the swordsman fell in Kurosawa's Seven Samurai in the gray rain, in Cinemascope and the Tokugawa dynasty, he fell straight as a pine. He fell as Ajax fell on Homer in Chanted Dactyls. And the tree was so huge the woodsman returned for two days to that lucky place before he was done with the sawing. And on the third day he brought his uncle. 
They stacked logs in the resinous air, hacking the small limbs off, tying those bundles separately. The slabs near the root were quartered, and still they were awkwardly large. The logs from mid-tree they halved, ten bundles and four great piles of fragrant wood, moons and quarter-moons and half-moons ridged by the saw's tooth. The woodsman and the old man, his uncle, are standing in mid-forest, on a floor of pine silt and spring mud. They have stopped working because they are tired, and because I have imagined no pack animal or primitive wagon. They are too canny to call in neighbors, and they come home for the few logs after three days' work. They are waiting for me to do something, or for the overseer of the great lord to come and arrest them. How patient they are. The old man smokes a pipe and spits. The young man is thinking he would be rich if he were already rich and had a mule. Ten days of hauling, and on the seventh day they'll probably be caught, go home empty-handed, or worse. I don't know whether they're Japanese or Mycenaean, and there's nothing I can do. The path from here to that village is not translated. A hero, dying, gives off stillness to the air. A man and a woman walk from the movies to the house in the silence of separate fidelities. There are limits to imagination. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll be back on Monday with another poem for you.